Thank you for joining us for this study on the sayings of Jesus Christ. This first session, I want to do one, Winning Over Worry. I'm inviting you to join me in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to be focusing on verses 25 down through verse 24. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I was reading a story of an individual who was saying that he was on a flight and he had this personal experience. He himself was given to worrying, to giving, getting caught up with fretting over things. He was in one of the major airports here in America a few years back, and when he was sitting there, there were storms were going overhead in the airport, and they were still planning the flight, but he got more and more nervous about flying through the storms and in this time of the year. And as he sat there, he was wondering, well, what would happen to my family? What, would, what about this? What about that? And he saw across the way that there was one of those machines, I'm going to call it a vending machine, where you could buy life insurance. He walked over there and looked at it, and for, a, uh, for just $3, he could buy $100,000 worth of life insurance policy for this flight. He thought it was well worth it. That way his family's taken care of it. So he bought the insurance policy, you know, put the three bucks in, got the policy, filled in all the information. And then he decided to get some food before his flight uh, started to board. So he went down to one of, the, uh, one of those fast food restaurants. It happened to be a Chinese fast food restaurant. He got his food. He was sitting there eating it. Didn't get all the way through when they called that his section of the plane was boarding. So he got up, went onto the plane. Once he was sitting there, got situated, he was still nervous about the flight. He was talking to the gal next to him saying that he was nervous. He flew infrequently, but you know, things should be okay because you know, if something were to happen to him, he just bought insurances. And then he finished the rest of his carry-on that he had as far as that Chinese food. And inside was a Chinese cookie. He opened up the Chinese cookie, broke it, and he found his fortune. And his fortune gave him no peace of mind. It only got worse. It said, your recent investment, investment will pay big dividends. He reacted with even more panic. You know, some of us are like that guy at times. We start worrying about situations we can't control, and then what happens is we think we're making some solution, and we ourselves get even more involved with fretting and being upset. Well, Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 6 is preaching his famous Sermon on the Mount. When he's preaching that sermon, he is going to be telling his audience, who are many of his disciples at that time, he's telling them that they are supposed to be living to a higher standard than what they've been used to following as far as the Jewish teachings and what the Pharisees were giving. And he challenged them time and time again in a lot of areas. And one of those areas that he says, I want you to live above the rest of the world, where you can be a light and you can be the salt of the world. I want you to don't fret anymore. Don't fret over things, but rather focus on God. That's going to be the theme of what he's talking about in this one section of scripture that we're focusing on, where we read in verse 25 and following. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought, taking worry, can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, 
saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Jesus very clearly is giving a powerful lesson. And if we put it in its context, and we get that because in verse 25 it starts with a therefore, which obviously means we have to understand why it's there. And so we back up to the previous verses. Jesus has just been talking about that idea of things that we often worry about. They're transient. They're temporary. The moth, the rust, the thieves. Things that we often get flustered about, they don't last. They, uh, he's made it very clear that we need to make a choice what we're going to focus on. Because he says, lay not up treasures for yourselves, for where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And so he's warned us about that fact that these treasures can dominate us, these things that we often get worried about. And then he said that, hey, listen, in verse 22, the light of the body is the eye, and therefore your eye be single or devoted, thy whole body shall be the light. And he goes on, he says, if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. Basically saying these things that we often focus on, they can, they can blind us to what's really important. They can all of a sudden make us dim in many areas of our life, but we need to be focused on that which is heavenly, holy, that which is honoring unto the Lord, and not be preoccupied with things that don't last. And then he makes it very clear in verse 24, you can't serve God and mammon both. And so laying out all of those comments... Because of all this, because of the things that can dominate, the things that don't last, because we have either serve things or we serve God, that brings us back to our same thought. Don't fret over things, focus on God. And so in the text that he builds and he goes on, he's going to say, okay, I want you not to fret. Now, let me clarify a thought here. I am not saying that you and I are supposed to live a carefree, irresponsible life who cares what's going to happen tomorrow? Let's not worry about anything. Let's not get uptight about, you know, paying bills or, or making sure that our home is taken care of or going to work. He's not saying that at all. Even though, even though the same words are used at times in Scripture, you know, as I'll show you in a second, there are times that it is proper for you and I to be concerned, to be careful, to be very cautious about matters. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, I have the concern of the churches. It is the exact same word that is used in this passage where it says, take no thought. But here in 2 Corinthians, it's a positive thing. Being careful, being concerned about is okay when it comes to meeting the needs and responsibilities that God gave Paul. Parents, you are supposed to be concerned. You're supposed to be taking care of the development of your children. You have to be an individual who is thinking, who is planning, who is wondering, who is being cautious about attitudes that you see in your children, development in your children, or lack of spiritual development. That should cause you some concern, care, and react the proper way. Uh, in fact, we are all supposed to be concerned about our spiritual life. 
In the, the Bible frequently uses terms like fight, box, run the race. The idea that we give great effort into it and, and preparation into our spiritual growth, our spiritual needs, our reading the word, our growing over some of those besetting sins. We should be concerned about those things. We're supposed to be concerned about the souls of men. Paul even writes that he has a great heaviness of heart when he thinks about his kinsmen. He would give his own life if he could become anathema for them. And so he prays repeatedly for individuals. That's a, that's a legitimate concern. Now, let me phrase it this way. Absence of being concerned for these and other God-delegated duties, it would be wrong to say, I don't care about taking care of my family. I don't care about worrying about, in the good sense, you as a church and how I can help minister to you the best possible way or somebody's going astray and, and I, I, shouldn't, I, I don't care about that. We should be concerned. We should be concerned about our, our co-workers and our relatives getting saved where it should cause us moments of, of fasting and prayer. That's legitimate God-delegated responsibilities. That's not what he's talking about in this text. In this text, he's talking about things, the, the properties. In fact, he makes it very clear that he's talking about food, clothing, and drink. The essentials, the necessities that we have in our everyday life. And he's saying that they shouldn't be dominating our thought process. They shouldn't be controlling our worries. We're not supposed to fret over what's going to happen tomorrow in that vein, in those areas of possessions and provisions, things that we don't have a control over, we're supposed to be trusting in the Lord. Now, as we go through the Matthew 6 passage, let me show you the reasons why. The reasons why we ought not to fret, but focus on the Lord. Number one, it's required. It's required. In this text, we've read it several times, three times in fact, where he starts off and he says, take no thought where he says later on in verse 31, take no thought, where he concludes, take no thought. The word is the idea of don't be distraught over, don't be overcome by, and literally the way that it is phrased the first time says, stop being anxious, stop fretting. The second time he says it, do not begin fretting again where he says in verse 31, take no thought. And, and again, that take no thought doesn't mean don't be concerned. It's don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it cause you to, to all of a sudden be consumed by worry where you can't eat, you can't sleep. If the, when he says take no thought in the King James, that idea is do not become anxious. Again, it has the idea of don't let you, you stop it and then don't let it come back into your life. Don't fret, but focus upon the Lord. Because that type of anxiety where you're just worried about, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? What about this situation? What about my car? What about my bank account? What about, you know, what about if I go to the store and I'm going to become so overly anxious and distraught that I, that I fret going to the store? Well, you should be concerned. You should put on a mask. You should be concerned where you take precautions and wipe off that, you know, that the handles on the, on the carts. That, that's not wrong. But where it is paralyzing you, where it is causing you to react wrongly and not trust in the Lord, he's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. In fact, he says, oh, ye of little faith, he's talking to his followers plus us. This is something every generation is supposed to be applying. 
Take no anxiety. Stop being anxious. Don't become anxious once again. Don't become anxious. This is required by God of every one of us. Whatever our age, whatever our gender, whatever our situation, we're not supposed to become distraught. Oh, and it's so easy for us in this day and age, we think. We are, we are in a situation that it almost excuses our worrying. Well, wait a minute. It's true. We worry over COVID-19. There's some concerns about that. So there's some concerns about jobs and finances. Some have lost them. Some are laid off. Some don't know when they'll reopen their employment. Some don't know what are we going to do now with limited income. That's legitimate, you know, that we're concerned about, but some worry over that. And they say, well, Jesus, his words don't apply to me because this is my situation. It is so bad. Some are worrying about school. How are the kids going to get their education? When will they go back to school? What about such things as graduation? Are we going to lose out on, as a senior, being able to graduate like the others did in the past? Some are getting, you know, concerned and worrying over how do we get about? What do we, what do we do? Some are getting all concerned about the national economy and starting to panic. You know, oh no, what happens if, if, you know, we go further, further, further into debt, which we do. Some worry about the gro- going over groceries. Some say, you, you know, I, I have a right to worry because my retirement is threatened. I have a right to be you know, all discouraged because people aren't visiting me and this is happening. We don't know about our doctor's visits. When Jesus was giving this sermon, he was speaking not to people who, who had life easy. He's telling them. And just go back with me for a moment. He's telling people who lived in an age where they had a lot of issues they could be concerned about. Will their crops even grow? Will, will there be a rain or freeze? The other day, we, the last few nights, we've had these threats of frost. It doesn't cause us the same type of struggle it did to the people back in that day, in that era. If they got a frost, their crops could be ruined for the entire season that they need to eat. They, you know, what if their wells were to dry up? We don't have that problem. We got water out of every tap in our house. And these people, they, what about the locusts, the plagues, the health needs, the invasions of wild animals? Would their, would their animals survive so they can continue on? They have plenty of things they could be worrying about. They could be worrying about the fickle Romans who might come in and all of a sudden introduce all kinds of laws. They, they would worry about their daily food. They didn't have the fridge, the freezers. They didn't have the closet space you and I have. So they had limited wardrobes. They had shorter lifespans. And he's telling those people... Don't fret over your needs. Don't fret over your possessions. Don't fret over the provisions that I will take care of. I'm requiring you not to do that. So you and I have no excuse in this day and in this situation to say the rules are, they don't apply to us. They do. Not to fret. Not to fret, but to focus on God. Why? It's required of us. It is what he has commanded of us several times in the passage that we are not to be anxious, rather we are to focus on our Heavenly Father who knows that we have needs. I'm going to give you a second reason why you don't fret, but you focus on God. It's reasonable. It is reasonable. Jesus in this passage goes on not only giving commands that are literal, ongoing commands. But what he does is he develops a discussion, an argument that would be, make a lot of sense from his day and age that he says, okay, listen, fretting is totally unreasonable for you. It doesn't make any sense that you get all upset about food, clothing, drink. 
And he gives them the reasons why. Because you have a heavenly father. It's reasonable that you trust because you have a father in heaven. He doesn't use just a God. You have a father in heaven. And he points out to them, okay, following your logic of that time, he says in verse 25, there are some things that are bigger than meat and some things bigger than the clothing, bigger than the drink. And that something in verse 25 is life. If I can paraphrase it, if God has given you the best gift, life, then all else that he gives you, such as food, drink, clothing, is less of a gift. It is something that if he can give you, he can, he can buy the best thing for you, then surely he can afford these lesser things for you. Um, he's basically saying what, he, what we read in Romans chapter 8. And it says in verse 32, this thought, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If Christ died and gave us forgiveness and life, then surely anything else that he gives is secondary to the, to the salvation that Jesus has given us. If God was willing to sacrifice his son, to give his son for us, then the food, clothing, and shelter pales in comparison to the gift of his son. And so our Father who loves us to give us the biggest, the best, he'll take care of us in those least things that we often get excited and worried about. I'll give you a silly illustration. So I go to the car dealership and I say, I want one of these Mercedes ghosts. And y'all, I'm, I'm, I want all the doodads and the gadgets that go with it. And I write him a check for this. I'd be writing him a check that's over half a million dollars, so I'm not doing it. But if I could, if I could afford that type of car, I'll tell you the question I'm not going to ask, what's the gas mileage? Because if I can afford that car, I can afford whatever the gas is going to cost to run it. If God can afford to give you and me life, he can afford to give us the gas we need day by day in order to live. Don't fret. Focus on God. Why? Not only is it required, it's reasonable because you have a Father in heaven who's already given you the best of things. But this Father in heaven, it's also very reasonable because he says, look at the birds. And he draws the attention of the, the people around him. And understand, if you're sitting in the field at this time listening to Jesus, you're hearing those birds that are chirping, that are carrying on. I don't know what time of year it was. But do understand that in the ancient Near East, in this area of Palestine, there was many birds migrating. There's a path through that region that even of the ancient writers and modern writers write about how many birds came through that during the different seasons of the year in their migrations. So he's looking, he's saying, look at these birds that are migrating. You see them flying overhead. So he look, <clears throat> see that flock of birds overhead? And he says, those birds don't worry. They aren't worried about punching the clock. They aren't worried about their savings account. Those birds, they're taken care of. They eat, they do their own thing, you know, and go about without worrying, without fretting, because God takes care of them. And he basically makes this comment. If God <clears throat> is taking care of the fowls of the air, then truly you don't have to worry, because if God meets the needs of the sparrows and of the smallest of birds, he will meet your needs. Don't fret. Focus on God, that God would take care of you because you are more important than the birds. And he gives attention to the birds, surely. He gives attention to your needs as well. 
you know, I think of one of the birds that frequently we see out here, these, you know, these blackbirds that are cawing. And sometimes in the morning when they come in, they are loud, they are irksome. And in my mind, it's like, boy, if I just had a pellet gun. You know, and yet, those birds that are so irksome, what does Scripture say about them? In particular, those birds are spoken of in different passages, like in the book of Job, that God provides for the raven his food. That when the youngs cry, God responds and provides for those needs. In Psalms, he gives to the beast of his field, and the one that he calls out is those loud, obnoxious ravens. God cares for them. God cares for you. God will meet your needs. Don't fret. Focus upon the Lord. This is a picture that is from the Middle East. It's in the springtime, in about the same region where Jesus would be preaching. This isn't a planted field. This is a wildflower field. This is the way that some of that region would break out into flowers frequently in the springtime, like where Jesus was preaching in Galilee as he did his Sermon on the Mount. So when he says in this passage, verse 28, and why take you worry over raiment? Consider literally it's the wildflowers. The wildflowers is the literal word that he uses. These will be the wildflowers. You look at the picture, do you think beautiful, stunning? Wow! Can you imagine just looking across fields? Can you imagine sitting where Jesus is preaching and he points you to a field like this? Consider the flowers. Consider those flowers, and he goes on, he talks about those flowers, and he makes the comments. He says, looking at the wildflowers, they grow, they don't toil, neither do they spin. He's not saying, you know, we shouldn't work, but he's saying we shouldn't worry. He's saying that they, they grow, they go through the process of what they're supposed to do, and as they're growing, their beauty is stunning. Their beauty is amazing, that they grow without that great effort. And they are something that, he says, that it's beautiful for a short season because he makes the comment, which today is and tomorrow it's cast into the oven, which frequently what they would do is they would gather up these flowers and these stalks and when they were baking and they wanted to have more of a flash fire, a quick fire, they would gather up some of those things after they've blossomed, throw them in the kiln, into the, into the oven, and they would create a quick heat. His whole point is they're temporary. They don't last very long and yet God takes care of them. And God provides for them. If God oversees the needs of temporary plants that live just moments compared to your life, if God is concerned about the plants, then truly God is concerned about you. You are more precious than they are. And God will meet your needs. Don't fret. Focus on the Lord. And so he continues in his discussion and he's making that very clear. I care for you. I'll take care of you. If God is in control, don't worry. There's a story of a man running through an airport. He is so concerned he's going to be late that he's plowing through and he runs into the back of one man when he was looking down and he ran into the back of that one man, knocked him over. He's apologizing profusely as he helps the gentleman up. And he's saying, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't watch where I was going down. I was looking down at my gate number. And when I looked down, I ran into you. I'm sorry. I, I just am so upset. I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late. I just, I, I'm afraid I'm going to miss my plane. And the gentleman that he helped back up said, well, what gate are you going to? He told him the gate. And he said, young man, don't worry. You, know, you will not miss your plane. And he said, well, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? He says, I'm the pilot of that flight. They're not taking off without me. So 
don't worry about it. I got things under control. Our pilot, God Almighty, has things under control. Things aren't going to get out of hand. He knows we just need to walk with him day by day by day. Don't fret. Focus on the Lord. Let me, let me remind you out of the same text. He says it's not reasonable because you have a father in heaven. But there's a second reason it's not reasonable to fret, to get upset, to worry, because of your testimony, because of your testimony to others. He makes that comment where he says, that's what the Gentiles do. Where he may, in verse 32, all these things the Gentiles seek after. The word he uses for seek, they are pursuing. They are with an overwhelming desire. And he's talking about that that's the way the Gentiles work. Those who don't listen to Jesus, those who aren't, they're seeking after the food, clothing, and shelter. You know that's true. You know that you have some lost folk around you. You read on the radio or read on the, uh, on the papers or the internet. You hear on the radio, you hear on the news that some are so concerned about the stock. Some are so concerned about income. Some are so concerned about possessions that it just dominates their life, their responses, their reactions. And he says, don't let that happen. If you believe in God, remember, your father knows you have needs of these things. He takes care of the fields. He takes care of the, the birds. He takes care of, of all those things. Plus, he's given you the very best. And you are even better than the Gentiles because he's your father. He's your caregiver. So don't act like them. Be different than those. Don't be like the unsaved world that their whole goal is, you know, getting, getting, getting. He says, don't do that. Don't get upset when things go wrong. You and I should be acting different than some of those who don't know Christ as Savior in this coronavirus era. We shouldn't be so distraught when it comes to going to the store. We shouldn't be so overwhelmed when we're watching the news. We should be individuals that do what we can, take the precautions, take the, the necessary steps, but we're trusting our Father in heaven who knows our needs, who knows our hair, who knows our daily desires, who knows all about us. He says, don't fret. Trust in the Lord. It is reasonable. So I ask the questions. Okay, Are you trusting the Lord the way you trusted your earthly father? I remember as a child, I don't think I worried about bills. In fact, I know I didn't. I just figured mom and dad have it under control. I didn't worry about our next set of shoes. Mom and dad would take care of that. It was their responsibility. I didn't even know how they got them and how that money all worked as a lad. As time came by, I remember even when I understood the financial system, I didn't worry about those things in junior high and senior high. It would be taken care of. Mom and dad, that's their responsibility. Do you trust God that way? Do you trust the Lord that you do your part, but you're trusting your father to take care? Does your conversation, does it demonstrate faith or fear? The way you talk, the way you share, the way you, 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 you engage other people. When you watch the news, do you get more upset? Some of you should just turn off the TV for right now. Instead of fretting over what, what could happen or, oh, they said that maybe you know, things will be shut down for 18 months. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. We can't do anything about it. We just go day by day trusting the Lord. Not being careless and thoughtless, but at the same time, why worry about 18 months from now? We don't have no control over it. Trust the Father. Don't get upset. Don't get anxious. Yes, concerned and prayerful, but not when we're fretting. When you walk into the stores, do you have a sense of panic or you trust in the Lord? We've mentioned that. Are you frustrated to the point that you're upset and you're short and you're angry? 
with family, with the governor, with, with, your, with the school system, that all of a sudden graduation is, is a possibility. It won't happen. Summer trips are being done. Okay, you won't get your vacation in that you had hoped to get in the way you planned for it. Yeah, that was a good lesson for us to learn. We didn't get a missions conference in like we had planned for it. We weren't able to do the teaching that we had planned to do. But God knows. God knows what we need at this moment. God knows that maybe this situation is good for us to pause and reconsider how we are focused on things so often that now we're all withdrawn to say, what are the biggest priorities in my life? So God can work in this situation. Instead of fretting, let's just trust him. And do you invest, you know, what you can and, and yet not, not get so overly involved with, with that nest egg for the future? You, you, you be, be wise, but don't worry over it. God will take care of our needs. God, God still takes care of people who are retired. He doesn't cut off a certain age and say you're on your own. God's in control. Let him be God of your life. Let him be the Father. It is unreasonable for you to fret, focus on God. It's required. It is reasonable that we focus on him and not fret. Let me give you the third thought. Third thought is this, because it's rewarded. When you and I no longer fret, but we focus on God, there is rewards for it out of this text. Clearly, there is no reward for fretting. He makes that comment in this text where in verse 27... Which of you, by taking thought, that is, being fretting, or can add one cubit unto your stature? Now, some of you may have a different rendering. And the reason that that rendering is, is there, as I'll explain, the thought is still the same. Okay, the thought, go either way, is we can't, can't change a lot of things by worrying. It's, it's, it, it doesn't get rewarded. It, it not, for us, some of the basics don't change. It doesn't add to our lives. And that's where the rendering might be different. Um, some, I, some have said this way, you know, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it goes nowhere. And what he means when he says you can add one cubit, the, uh, the whole idea is uh, two different possibilities. The, the idea of adding to your life Sometimes in Scripture, the word used here for life means lifespan. We can't add one cubit, one, one, we can't add more time to our lifespan by worrying. Or sometimes it's used in Scripture, you can't add to your physical height. Where he talks about, in that passage, about somebody, their physical height, their life, and it's ta- translated their physical stature. Which one is it? Both convey the same idea. Both have the idea that no matter what we do, no matter where we're at, we can't get any bigger. We can't expand our life longer by worrying. I can guarantee you this. There's a lot of people who have shortened lifespan by worrying, by fretting. But we can't increase. The Lord knows our days. The Lord has them numbered. And if the Lord takes us home, aren't you going to be better off anyway? Again, not to be careless, not to be foolish, but not to fret. We do what we can. We take care of our health. We take the medicines that we need to take. We take the precautions we need because of family and others who are relying upon us to fulfill our God-given responsibilities. But to worry and to fret and to react, 
by a, by a, uh, in a foolish way where we become like a hypochondriac or we become one who is fretting and spending foolishly over things that are, are really not going to benefit us? We're not to fret. We're to be focusing on the Lord because that's what's rewarded. The passage goes on, he says, that I will add all these things unto you. All these things is very clear in the context. We are talking about the food, the drink, the clothing. We're talking about essentials, that which you need for everyday life to continue on. He's not talking about the luxuries or the wants that we may have, which are so far increased in this day and age. We have so many things that we are translating a lot of them into being necessities. Are they really? That's, that's from the food for thought for another time. But the point is, God's Christ, God through Christ has promised that the followers of Jesus will be taken care of. Now again, this is a conditional promise. This promise has two different thoughts. It's for believers. That's who he's speaking to. It also includes you and I fulfilling our God-given delegated responsibilities. If a man doesn't, eat, uh, doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Okay, so we have to do our part. Okay, we're being cautious, we're being careful, we're being concerned about our jobs, legitimately so, we're doing our part, we're being wise in that fashion, but we're not supposed to be torn apart by it. We're not supposed to be fretting about it. We're supposed to be faithful in giving to the Lord. Okay, multiple passages that talk about, I will meet your needs. My God shall supply all your needs out of this Philippian passage. Just preceding it, he's talking about how these people were charitable to the Lord and being faithful and giving to the Lord's work. We understand that we're to be charitable to those in need. Proverbs talks about that idea that God does not prosper those who are selfish. He doesn't give to them more so they can just keep it to themselves. But those who are charitable, he will meet their needs. And so you and I look at this and say, okay, God will take care of what I need. He'll reward that. So what do I do? What do I do as a child of God? How do I focus on God? And that's where he gives us, in those concluding sentences, some very potent thoughts. We need to focus on that which will last eternally. How do we do that? What is that? Where does that come from? Seek after, pursue, avidly focus on the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean, you know, when he says the kingdom of God, does that mean investments of for you know send the investments ahead that he's already talked about laying up in stores you know so what we do is we with our monies we invest in ministry that will help us for the future i'm sure that's part of it does it mean who we will bring in into the kingdom with us other souls other individuals i'm sure that's exactly what he means so you and i are to focus on those things that will last those things that will go into heaven with us, those things that will we bring reward in heaven. But we're also supposed to focus on what is right. He says in this text, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his rightness, his righteousness. What does that mean? Okay, well, a couple thoughts. Seek means over and over and over again. Make this your focus. Make this your priority. That we're seeking after righteousness. Is he talking about righteous activities? I'm sure. Personal holiness, making sure that God's righteousness is displayed in my life. Is he talking about close fellowship with the Lord? Is he talking about pursuing his will, not mine? 
Yes. I think all of this is included. That in every aspect, you and I are now saying in our life, I want to pursue after a close walk with the Lord. I want to be showing holiness in my everyday life. I want to be involved in activity that is God-delegated to me. I want to be an individual that prays, not my will, but thine be done. And pursue after that on a daily basis. And then all these things shall be added unto me. It reminds me of when I was growing up. We had a dog that was just a wonderful dog. Uh, we joke about it to even my kids. I tell them this dog could talk, and it was, it was a great dog. One thing the dog did at times, usually responded pretty good, except for when the dog saw a squirrel or a groundhog. When it would see the squirrel or the groundhog, you could be sitting there on the stoop of the house and talking to the dog, and that dog wasn't listening to us at all. It was just focusing on that animal. Groundhog or squirrel, just watching it, watching it. And it would stand there for minutes, just staring until it thought, this is my moment. In the same way, we are to be focused on the things of the Lord. That it just, at times, helps to dominate us. So instead of worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow, today, let's focus on getting out the gospel. Today, let's focus about acting like Christ. Today, Let's, let's count our blessings today. We don't know what's going to happen next week. We don't know what's going to happen with, with graduations and trips and vacations. And instead of fretting over them, let's, let's count the blessings of today. Let's, count, uh, let's watch how we respond today. Let's be holy today. Let's seek to win souls today. Let's keep that focus. And then let's do this. Let's focus on what is happening today. Let's set up a boundary that we don't get overwhelmed with tomorrow. Where he says in that idea, don't let tomorrow's difficulties destroy today's concerns and responsibilities. It is the idea of, you know, sufficient is the evil of tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough stuff coming. We've got enough on our plate just today. Several different authors put it kind of different ways, different, different clever thoughts, but they all come down to this idea. That you and I need to focus on today and not get consumed by tomorrow so we lose the joy of today. Is that in your life? If not, then let's make some changes because the Bible says you're not to fret about things, you're to focus on the Lord. If we bring it all together, okay, let's just bring it down to these practical steps. To win over worry, remember you have a loving Father in heaven. You have a loving Father in heaven who cares for the birds, who cares for all the, 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 different, uh, the different flowers in the field. This loving Father cares for you. Let's remind ourselves that he has given us some really good things. So we rejoice in what he has given us today. He has given us life, spiritual life. Therefore, everything else, it is secondary. And so we look at the things that he has given beyond that. He has taken care of our needs he has taken care of our, many of our wants even, beyond what he has promised. So we rejoice in what he has given. We, we as well, we rely on him to make sure that we have all that we need. That what he provides, we, met, we look and say, well, that is something he thinks I really need. If he didn't provide it, he knew best that I didn't need it. And so what we do is we rely on him to make sure we have all that we need. Then we resolve to do what he wants us to do today. Instead of worrying about next week, let's serve today. 
Let's be gracious today. Let's be a witness today. Let's be right before God today. And let's repeat those times of meditation and prayer, of seeking after his righteousness day by day so that we keep the right perspective, so that we don't get overwhelmed by the fretting, but rather we keep focused on him. And let's refuse to allow ourselves to get caught up in the tomorrows, to fret over them. Yes, are we making plans of what we need to do this week? Yes, are we making plans? What happens when we regather? Yes, are we hoping to make plans for ministries this summer if we're able to do them? Sure. And yes, we're, we're, we're thinking through those things. But what happens, it's in the Lord's control. You and I are just supposed to be saying, God, I'm not going to be caught up in tomorrow's difficulties. I'll do what I can today. You practice those and you will win over worry. You will have success in not fretting as you focus upon the Lord. Father, help me, help my friends, not just to hear about this, but actually to do it. Help us this week not to fret, but to focus more on you. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for your good gifts. Thank you for allowing us to do this brief study together. May it bless many hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.